Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is Off The Bench with Jason Matthews. A look back at the week in sport and the big interviews. Yes, uh, welcome to it. It is off the bench for another weekend. Jason Matthews here. And boy, what a big week it's been in rugby league. And 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 sadly, not for all the right reasons. We lost two legends this week. Of course, Johnny Raper, uh, arguably one of the greatest to play the game, passed away on Wednesday. He was aged 82. Um, he, made, he helped make St. George the Red V... Uh, famous around the globe, and uh, it's so sad that we lost him on on Wednesday. And then Thursday, just before we went on air, we found out that we lost Olsen Philippina. He was a great New Zealand player, played for uh, Balmain, Easts, and uh, also Norths, and he passed away uh, late on Thursday afternoon, aged only 64. So today uh, on Off the Bench, uh, sat, sat down and had a chat to Bobby McCarthy about the great, the wonderful Johnny Raper. And also uh, on June 1, 2020, uh, Badge and Sats had the pleasure of, of chatting to Olsen Filipina. So we'll play that for you as well. And also the Pearls, Steve Renoff, will um, will preview the All-Stars game this weekend as we've got less than 30 days now until the start of the NRL season. But let's kick it off with the great Bobby McCarthy. A sad day in rugby league today, Sats. We lost one of the greats, the man, Johnny Chook Raper, played 377 first-class games of rugby league, Sats. Eight premierships with St. George, 33 tests for Australia, three kangaroo tours, and victorious Australian captain at the 1968 World Cup. And the, he was the last surviving member of St. George's Four Immortals. Of course, they were... Reg Gasney, Graeme Langlands and Norm Proven. They, uh, Norm, of course, passed away in October last year. Mm. Sad day for rugby league, isn't it? It is. And um, we lost a lot of characters in rugby league over that time as well. The original four were in 1981. Bob Fulton, Reg Gasney, Clive Churchill named as the, uh, the original Immortals. And a man that played a lot against Johnny Raper with the great Rabbitohs side and against that great Dragon side through the 60s was our good friend of the show, Bobby McCarthy. He's going to join us and talk about Chook. How are you, Macca? Very good, thanks, Sats. Sad day um, when you hear Chook Raper. Yeah, was, was, well, yeah. I, I've, I've been expecting it, um, Scotty. Um, uh, you know, he, I, I saw him about eighteen months ago, and he wasn't real good then. You know, he was he was in a nursing home out there at um, Waterfall, and he was in the aggressive ward. So, um, you know, he was sort of locked away a bit, and you know, to see him as he was, like he had a nappy on, and you know, and you think back that he was the fittest bloke when he played. In his time, he was the fittest rugby league player. Like he used to train before, you know, he'd, he'd get on the drink and he'd come home and go for a run and run it out and get up and play the next day and be man of the match and all that type of stuff. And he, um, it was sad to see him. I mean, go from, you know, the almighty and sort of, I know we're all going to get old eventually, but just see how he was. And, I, I, you know, it was the last time I seen him and I, I used to talk to his wife and that Carol and she said, oh, you know, he's, he doesn't even know me now, you know. And, 
I'm thinking, oh, what a, what a, what a, what's shocking how it finishes up like that. And to see him die now, well, it's just unfortunate, but I think he's in a bit of place. You know, he didn't know where he was and didn't know anyone. So, um, you know, thank God he's up to all those immortals that you just mentioned before, you know, which is, um, which is great. There'll be a fair drinking session and story session going on at the moment, I think, uh, Macca. <laughs> There'll be a few lies being told, yeah. But um, Matt, as you said before, he was he was a great player. Um, in that era, he was, he was supposed to be the best player of all, or supposedly the best player of all time. And he was he was in that bracket, you know. There was there was him and Gaznier and, and Langlands from St George, and, and you had Bozo and you know Ron Cook, and you know they they're all magnificent players and. You know, he, he always used to say, like, the start-off conversations, they, they say that I'm the greatest player of all time, and Graham Lenz would say, oh, Chuck, don't start that again, you know. He'd, <laughs> he'd always remind people that he, uh, you know, he, he, he's been acclaimed the greatest player of all time. He's, you know, he just bring it up out of enough, and if there's nothing, I wouldn't talk about anything. He'd come out and say that he's the greatest player of all time and wanted you to sort of elaborate on that, and we used to just look the other way and uh, talk about the races or something, you know. <laughs> I, I was just talking to, uh, before the show, I was just talking to Dad and telling him about Chook passing, and, yeah, he was yeah. he was devastated, and, and he was talking about the likes of Gaznier and, and Changa Langlands, Billy Smith, yeah. Popper Clay, Norm yeah. Proven, just to name a few in that great dragon side. Yeah. But he, was, he spoke about Raper's most dangerous facet of the game, and he said his ability just to do the things with the ball that he did as a as a as a little forward. Mm. Yeah, he used to get knocked around a lot because he used to go to he used to go to to the, the the line, and then he'd, he'd put these blokes through holes, and he'd you know he'd get on. I, I, I only played with him once, and <clears throat> I think it was a, it, it, your dad was captain of New South Wales, and we played against the Queenslanders and. Me and him were in the second row, and he was at, he was at the end of his career. He, I think that he, he got picked from the country when he went up there when he left St George, and Ron Kurt was lock, and um, you know he you know he kept on saying, "Come with me, Bobby, I'll put you through," and all that. And he was getting hammered everywhere, you know. And I said, "Mate, oh, we'll just have a rest, chalk." You know what I mean? He, he he just thought it was his job to get you get you through the line. You know what I mean? And like everyone had their own tricks and all that type of stuff, and you know it, it just um, must have been great to play with him when he was younger, and he was so fit and energetic. You know, he um, you know he used to terrorise those English sides. So you know, we used to go over there, and the Pommies used to say to say to me and Curdy and your father and all that type of stuff. They'd say, "Oh, you're good, you're good, uh, you're good player, lad, but you're not as good as Raper or or Ambly, You know, Brian Ambly. They'd all sort of say that. So they're acknowledged. And as you said, he'd been there three times on Kangaroo tours, and you know, took um, used to knock around with the with with the side. The Chook was uh, all. all it was like that Keith Miller from the cricket sort of uh, era. Chook, had, Chook would knock around with the, the football um, fraternity, but he had to knock around with the royalty part too. So he, he'd be saying, "I can't get trained. To, I can't train today or tomorrow, wherever it was." He says, "Got to go and see Prince Charles or something like that." <laughs> or something from the royalty. <laughs> you know, he get driven. Then all of a sudden, some car would come and pick him up, and we're thinking, "Oh, you wish we were like him," you know. And, he uh, he was just so great, you know, and he uh, everyone everyone wanted to know him, and he just had a great name like Clive Churchill. Apparently, when he was when Clive was over there in England, and that and they used to put out the sign on the on the grounds where he was playing. That Clive Churchill is playing here today, and when he used to walk along the streets of Ilkley, you know, people would run up and say, "Clive, can you get a photo taken with you?" You know, the old box brownie sort of cameras, and Chuck was uh, Chuck was sort of coming out of the same vein. Everyone sort of idolised him over in England. He, as much as he was recognised here, you know. 
Now, in relation to the 1965 grand final, now he played in eight consecutive grand final victories with the Dragons, Macker, as you know. Mm. You played him in the 65 grand final with that, that great young Rabbitohs yeah. pack. Yeah. Unlimited tackle rule. Yeah. Again, talking to Dad, and, and he yeah. said that if you guys would have played that great Dragons side for a week, they still would have beaten you. What, what can you recall from that great grand final with, with Chook in it? Well, I still maintain that if we'd have had Richie Powell playing, we would have beaten them. Because it was only 12-8, and when Richie played, he he uh, we beat them three times during the year. We beat them in the pre-season. We beat them in the first round when all their stars were in New Zealand. And then when the, the papers came out, said, um, oh, well, I'll wait till they all come back from New Zealand. I'll give it to this young um, cock of the hoop, South Side, you know, all, full of all the young kids and all that. And we played them again in the second round, and we beat them by a bigger score. I think that's why all that crowd turned up. They thought the rest of the, the, rest of the, the, the dynasty was over. And Richie Pell broke down the week before it. He broke his bloody shoulder playing in the, in the final. So they put, put Jimmy Morgan and Lurch back in the front row and we didn't have a ball to strip. And, we were, and it was me, it was sat to your father, me and Ron Coote. And we were running off Richie Pell when he played and we were, we were driving him mad. You know? We were in the middle, we were in the blind. They didn't know where we were because we were so quick. And um, when he didn't play in the grand final, um, yeah, you know, we just couldn't. We just had to play a different game. It was like just putting the ball under your arm and just ruck it up. You know, it was the old unlimited tackle. And there was two St George sides, one that played during the year and one that played mm. in grand finals. But um, you know, your, dad, your dad was right there and that with the side we had that day. If we'd have played him for another two weeks, we wouldn't have won. But I'm pretty sure if Richie Powell had a play, he would have given us a bit more variety like he did when we beat him during the year. But yeah. no, that's all hearsay and... Um, They've got they got the blazers and we got them, you know, get the, get the second prize again, you know. Yeah. He's well known for his exploits off the field, as he said. He loved a drink. He loved a good time. Oh, um, and as you said, his training yeah. regime and his fitness, that's what made him a standout, yeah. wasn't it, throughout his career? Yeah, yeah. Well, Carol said sometimes he'd come home at 5 o'clock in the morning, <laughs> the day of the game, and then he'd go for a run. And then he'd come back he'd, and he'd jump in the bed and he'd sleep in until 12 o'clock or something, have, have his steak or whatever he had, and then out the cricket ground at the end of the match. <laughs> you know, so he knew he, he knew he had a job to do, but he just loved to do both sides. And uh, I think Frank Hyde said that you won't, the way you live your life, you won't you won't get to 50. And apparently when he got the 50, he rang Frank up and he said, I'm, I'm 50 today, Frank. <laughs> I think I've beat you watching on your theory. <laughs> So he, he got to, how old was he, 82 or something? 82. 82 today? Yeah. Or, or 82, hey, yeah, I thought yeah. he'd be something like that. So, you know, he, he strung it out and, um, yeah, great player, great um, personality in rugby league. Uh, it's unfortunate we're starting to lose them all now or the league is getting rid of them. And, you know, Chuck was definitely one of those characters that, um, you know, he'd, he'd knock around with hierarchy and he'd also drink with a, you know, some bum in a hotel-like sort of thing. It didn't worry him, you know, he... He wanted to mix and mix and mingle all the time. Talk about some of the, the great players in that position, and your great mate uh, Ronnie Coote, who's regarded as one of the great lock forwards of all time. When they were playing at the same time, when Chook was still at his best around the 65, 66, 67, Macca, and they had to pick an Australian team, would it be still Raper? He was that good that he'd force Coote up into the back row with you. Yeah, well, well I think that was the thing because Chook. They're two different uh, games. Like Chook, Chook had the um, it, it's the probe and probe and probe, and he wasn't as fast as solid, and he he put you through the hole. The Chook had scored a lot of tries from just back and back in the play if he could read it, like Terry Lamb and all them 
good players. You know, they they read the play and they, all of a sudden they're there catching the ball when the when, when the try was on. And um, and Ron Kip was different person, different altogether. Like he he was never a prober or, or an organizer. He was just a great runner. And you know, you know we just say to Ronnie, just there's a hole there. I want you to be there because that's where the ball's going to be, and he'd be there. And Ronnie, if you see in all all his games, um, you know, I think he scored about eighty something tries. I scored more than him, but I scored mine backing up and all that type of stuff. And all the tries he scored, he, he broke the line himself and then got around the fullback. And he'd done that in test matches, in, in, in club games. And, you know, he, he was a different type of player. He was a great ball carrier, whereas Chuck, on the other hand, was was a setter-upper, mm. if I can use that word. And um, and, and Ronnie was the opposite. And they, they were great to play together. It was like it was like having Beechen in your side with, with Chuck, you know. And Beechen was fortunate to be uh, lucky enough to be so big, he could stand in tackles. Whereas Chuck would would get you through on the run, and half the time, you know, you know, you you know, you you knew he's going to get he put you put you through a hole or whatever, but you either whack and he's got shortened up, you know, that he um he'd get up and just say just score or whatever, and you know, just just you know, he, he was just like that type of play, you know, he just um unfortunately he didn't play that long in Sydney, didn't he? I think he had about ten years. He when he come about fifty eight, and I think he was yeah. gone in sixty eight, sixty sixty nine, I think, I think it was. Then he so. went to the country, yeah. Yeah, so he only had a short life in Sydney, and uh, uh, compared to what they play now, and I think Gasnier only had about eight years, I think, before he broke down, and they came up together, and um, they had a great side back there in '59. They, um, I think, they won everything, uh, and uh, and you know those two players, uh, I think they started the year with number 19 and say 20 on their backs. They started in second grade, and they first uh, both went over to England and finished up being the two of the greatest players of all time. Yeah. So Lux and George were lucky in a way that um, he, he was pinched from Newtown. He, he was a Newtown junior. Yeah. And apparently in those days, yeah, where, where you lived is where you had to play. And um, they, I think Frank Face, the Alison George secretary at that time, he um, he put Chuck, Chuck into his house until he um, got married, and then um, he lived out. He bought a house out in the St George area. But he was uh, he was he was a Newtown junior, and um, Newtown sort of claim him, and um, he played a couple of games for Newtown, but he. Uh, all these heroics all come from St George. Welcome back. This is Off the Bench NRL. Certainly is. And welcome back to it. Of course, we lost some greats to the game this week. Johnny Raper and Olsen Philippina. And halfway through a chat Sats had with uh, Bobby McCarthy on Sports Day. Here's part two of that chat as they remember the life of Johnny Raper. Now, three kangaroo tours, as you said. Uh, he's second. In 63, Mac, it was your first year in first grade with, with South, but his performance at yep. Swinton in the yep. second test and the icy condition is still regarded as one of the greatest performances oh, yeah. of all time by an individual. He had a yeah. hand in seven tries, the first seven tries in 25 yeah. minutes. Yeah. And the side that he played against was uh, won the Ashes the year before. They came out here and smacked our bums. And he, he went over there and against us, the same side was still there and... Uh, he, he set up all those tries, and uh, I think he, and the, I think Gasnick cut him, cut him in the pieces in the first game, and then Chuck uh, kept him. Um, well, they got the fifty, I think, didn't they? Yeah, they in did. The yeah, second test and mm. three, three points a try, so they, they should have. I think they must have been able. Well, could have got up to sixty with, with uh, going by today's you know, um, four points for a try, and that was unheard of back then because that Pommy side was um, was full of all the greatest players of all time, you know, and he was able to cut them to pieces and. Um, uh, they didn't win the third game. I think uh, the Pommies put in a referee and uh, two linesmen that um, 
we've made sure that they didn't get home and that they won the Ashes uh, 2-1 and, you know, Chook was, um, it was a great, great occasion for him and I, growing up as a kid, I, he was my idol because I, I was a lock forward too as a, as a kid. Me and Ron Cooper locks in the, in South Juniors of Gary Stevens is a lock also and uh, we used to go for the rep, the rep sides together and, you know, and uh, they'd put Ronnie Lock and me second row or whatever and, um, my first year in, in South was when I was 18. Your dad was a lock. They brought him down from Newcastle. And I was playing second grade this game. I think it was against Manly in, a, in, a, in those old pre-season comps. And I played second grade and I scored a couple of tries. And, and, and luckily for me, but unluckily for your dad, your dad got done something that he, that he used to do a lot. And that was to whack a bloke and get sent off. <laughs> and, uh, and he got a couple of weeks and they put me up in the first grade and, uh, I've stayed there the whole year, and your old man finished up in the second row. And then a couple of years later, he, he finished up in the front row, and then he captain Australia and all that, and done it in all the all the grand finals. And he, you know, he sort of um, just kept kicking on as, as he went along. Mac, but, um, we... Chuck, guy, as I said, I used to follow him as a, when I was a kid, and um, whatever he wore, if he wore a left knee guard, I wore a left left knee guard. If he wore a right knee guard, I wore a right knee guard. But the year in, I think it was 1962, he wore headgear, and I used to play in the juniors with his headgear on, and all these blokes were pulling me freaking head off, you know. And I remember saying to the kangaroos when you once I said, Chuck, I said, idolise you, and I used to wear all the stuff you used to wear. I said, Why did you wear that headgear that year? He said, Oh, he said, I had these cauliflower ears, and I said, I just wanted to protect them. <laughs> I said, Oh, mate, I used to get killed playing in the juniors, and everyone was trying to pull my head off with the bloody what's the name? They couldn't hurt me, but they pull pulling me, pulling the what's name off and the headgear, and I said, I was glad you got rid of them. <laughs> I said, why didn't you just put grease over your ears like everyone else did? He said, oh, well, I got a good whack. And he said, and he said it just wouldn't go down, you know. There's a lot of blokes in those days, you know, we didn't have cauliflower ears like them blokes way, way back because they yeah. played the one yard, one yard rule and they'd reach across and just smack each other in the ear, you know, in the, in the back, in the side of the head. But we used to, but South Sea, I think there's many collies there because we used to just cover our, our face and our head in um, our ears in, in grease. We used up in a bucket of grease, to, you know, so when you got hit, just sort of skidded off. Uh, yeah. Hey, Macca, you, you look at some of the great locks over time, like you know, Ray Price in the 70s and 80s, who you know is, is one of the legends of the game. Then then you push into the 90s, and it's, um, it's you know, Bradley Clyde. Bradley Clyde. With, with yeah. a player like Chook, could he played in any era? Oh, easy. Yeah, I think easy. He, 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 um, he might have to change his game a bit because um, they were a bit, a bit big for him now to – to take the ball up and sort of, uh, I think that smother him a bit because Chuck was what was he five eleven six foot? Yeah, I think he might have been six foot because you had to be a cop. When you're, he was a policeman and he, he had to, I think you had to be six foot to be a policeman back in those days. And uh, they might have smothered him a bit, but oh, you'd, you'd find a spot. You're playing five eight. Yeah, I mean he played five eight for Australia. Mm. You know he could have been a five eight, and um, you know as you said, Bradley Clyde. I mean what a player. You know, they, they used to compare him and Coot together, didn't they? Yeah. Stage, they said he's a combination of Raper and Coot together. He was, he was breaking the line and taking the ball up, say, what, two, twice out of every set of six. And uh, he had a big engine and, um, oh, what a great player. He, um, when they talk about Immortals and all that, you know, I mean, geez, you have to, have to talk about him. Geez, you can't yeah. just, you know, see him play the way he played and think, oh, no, he wasn't as good as the other blokes. He was as good as him. How heavy would have? Kurt. I mean, he played a nine grand front. Yeah. How heavy was Chook? Chook, do you think? I, I think he was. I think he was over fourteen stone. Yep. 
and everyone used to say, um, you know, like he'd never tackle a never tackle above the knees. Yeah. Well, that's a furphy because when when we played him in 1967, we we played him in a semi final at the cricket ground, and um, we had him covered, and with about two or three minutes to, to play, I, I think um, your old man put me down the blind side, and I. I sort of I saw Chook coming across, and I I knew that if he got me, I'd be I'd be over the line. So I just sort of leant down to sort of cramp him. So if he was going to get me, I was just going to push him to the ground. And all of a sudden, whack! <laughs> I put the ball down, and I'm frigging seeing stars and looking around. And Ronnie Kid come over and said, "You all right? You all right?" I said, "What happened then?" He said, "Oh, Chook hit you high." I said, "Well, so much for that. He never tackles above the knee." <laughs> I said, uh, that's gone out the window. Oh, my freaking head was spinning around, and all of a sudden, all the colours started to come back in again. And, and they, you know, he must have thought, well, he, I can't stop him, so he's going to wear this, you know what I mean? Because yeah. we're going to knock him out of, the, out of the grand final, you know? Now, you know, it's, it's a famous story yeah, on, the, on the 67 Kangaroo Tour, which you've famously missed out on, one of the great travesties in rugby yeah. league. But a young Australian rugby league player took an evening stroll through Yorkshire town of Ilkley, uh, wearing nothing more than a bowler hat. Now, was it officially? Because you went over with a media, a media um, yeah. company, didn't you? Yeah. Call I, the games. I went over the, the Sun. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, was it officially the Chook? Sent me over with them. Was it officially Chook, or was it just no, an urban legend? No, it, it, it was a Queensland. It's, yeah. No, Chook, Chook put his hand up because uh, he did walk down the street with nothing on, <laughs> and the bloke was very, if I could say, he was very big in the uh, appendage department. Is that a word? Appendage. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Or down, or say down, but down below, he was very heavily built, and uh, because uh, everyone said, "Oh, he was, he was he was a well-built bloke." This bloke down below, Chooks put his hand up, said, oh, "It was me." <laughs> but he was a Queenslander, and you'd have to just footwork it out. There was about five or six Queenslanders on that trip, and he he was a forward, and I think he cut from up Wide Bay somewhere. Yeah. Okay. So he left to just have to work him out who he was. He's still alive. And uh, he had the yeah you know, he wore around his he he had a, he had a tie around it tied around his old fella, <laughs> and, he, and he walked down the street for about two seconds and he was naturally pissed as a parrot, and I don't know he didn't get picked up, <laughs> you know, he uh, walked down and I think he said oh shit I'm gonna get back you know and he's gone back and uh, and when was in the bar and saw him and think what are you doing, and he just sort of just went for a stroll and anyway <laughs> things you do when you've got a couple of beers in you. But Chuck claimed it. Yeah. There was no such thing as drugs back then. Like we, the, the beer used to make us. Silly. <laughs> hey, Chuck, Chuck not only claimed it, he made a, made some money out of it with, along with Singo. He, he did some ads oh. for Jack's Tyres oh, yeah. as the bowler hat man. Bobby, it's always Yeah, a, he done Jack's. That's he, right, he did. He did Jack's Tyres. Bobby, it's been a pleasure having you on and getting yeah. some of those great stories about the great uh, Johnny Raper oh. tonight, mate. And uh, we, we appreciate you joining us yeah, again. I, yeah, I have to, I have, to I have people... Uh, Taking interest in it, yeah, yeah. It's because he was a great player, and um, it's uh, sad that he's gone. But um, it's best for him that he's gone and his family. I think you know it's sad, but uh, I've just been a little those great players upstairs, and um, they'll get into the drink and then whatever you got to do up there. All the think Chucky might be, he might have gone down the other way. <laughs> 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 he might have pressed the wrong button <laughs> down to the basement instead of up to the, up to the penthouse. <laughs> um, I think Tommy will beat Tommy and them down there. Oh, yeah. Donegas and all they'll all be down there in in the red part of the town. Jeez, yeah. we've lost some good ones. Right, over, we've yeah. lost some good ones over the last twelve months. Yeah. I hope that's enough for a while, Bobby yeah. McCarthy. Hey, thanks for your time on Sports Day.
Okay. Thanks, boys. Welcome back. This is Off the Bench NRL. Yeah, welcome back to Jason Matthews here. I hope your weekend's going okay. Um, during the week, as you know, we lost a couple of greats to the game. Johnny Raper, arguably Australia's greatest player and also a New Zealand legend. Uh, and a lovely guy, Olsen Philippina, passed away on Thursday. June 1, 2020, Badge and Sats had the chance to have a chat to, to Olsen. Uh, and here's parts of that interview for you tonight. As a remember, uh, the great Olsen Philippina. Very lucky to have him on the line. The man himself, Olsen Philippina. Welcome to Sports Day, Olsen. Thanks very, thanks very much, gentlemen. Now, first and foremost, Olsen, like you're a very quiet and, and unassuming person <laughs> at the best of times. So how did you feel about someone telling your whole story? Were you apprehensive at first? Yeah, I was very apprehensive at first because, you know, uh, I, I got no idea why he wanted, what he was going to write about, what he was going to do, what he wanted to know. And, you know, as far as I'm concerned, it's like good and bad, uh, you know, over 40 years all the stuff that happened but I suppose the good thing for me was because I had no family over here when I first came over I couldn't talk to anyone to what I was going through what was happening on the football field because I was over here by myself and it basically brought out a lot of like I said a lot of good and bad feelings uh, about my career and uh, what I'd actually gone through and it um, to me it was a good way for me to open up whatever Patrick wanted to know about and questions you brought up, and I just went with it. Oh, that's great. It's, great it's good to hear. Yeah, it's a really good read. I, we really enjoyed it. And if we go back to when you first first left New Zealand and um, back in 1980, were there some family members, Olsen, that, that believed we'll, we'll be seeing him really soon, he'll, he'll be home in no time? Yeah, exactly. They the, the were spot on because a lot of them said that, I wouldn't last, and basically they were right because after my first training session there, <laughs> uh, you know, I never forget the day, January the fifth, nineteen eighty, and um, you know, I uh, I think that they call it the Bay Run now, and round by um, over by or is it over Balmain Ground, um, Birkenhead like Point, a- I think they call it. Yeah, that's yeah, it. Yeah, that's it. Point, around all around Jamoin Rose and all that, back to Leichhardt. Like, yeah, the, what they call the Bay Run. And, uh, you know, I've never run on the road ever. And uh, apparently we had to do that. And after that, I went straight to the Leeds Club on that Monday morning, straight after work. And I was there at 8 o'clock in the morning, and the club didn't open until 10. And the security guard asked me, what are you doing here? I said, I just need to see Keith Giddos back then. So I sat there for two hours, got in the club, and I just said to him, mate, I want to go home. I said, no one trains to start to play rugby league and everything else. And then he said, look, we've already given you money. I'll pay you back. I don't care how long it takes. I'll pay you the money back. Just let me go home. And then he said, no, you'll be right. Stick it out. So I went home, rang my mother, and I said, I'm coming home. And she said, no, you're not. And that was the end of that. Right. So, you, so you had to stick it out. Did you get better at training, Olsen? Sorry? Did you get better as a trainer after no. that? No. <laughs> I, I didn't mind I didn't mind doing ball work and everything else, but when it came to road runs, like oh. it um I didn't turn up the following year I didn't turn up for the pre season training, which was the road run that I did when I first came over, nineteen eighty. 
So I don't know if you guys remember Kerry Hamsley. Bucket. Yeah, buckets. Yeah, well, we didn't turn up for pre-season training, so we had to front the board. So we both were <laughs> laughing, okay. And as usual, Buckets, you know, I said, what would you do? And he said, oh, I went bush on his bike. Because he had his Harley and everything else. It's just, and, and I said, and I said uh, he said to me, what would you do? And I said, I didn't, nothing, I just stayed home. So he come in, he went in front of the board, come out, nothing happened. So I went in and I said to the board, and they asked me, well, what are you doing at pre-season? So I just said, well, you know, when they play rugby league on the road, I'll run on the road. And I got fined $3,000, and that was the last road run I missed ever. <laughs> <laughs> there was a fair bit of racism around when you were playing back in the day then, wasn't there? Yeah, exactly. Like, uh, you know, with Cumberland of Nobles getting cans of KB thrown at me, you know, I probably would have drunk them because that was my favourite beer. But I thought, you know, I thought a better, better night. I could have better thrown a full one. I probably would have picked it up and thrown the sideline and keep it for me later or something like that. But yeah, it was just something I was never uh, used to. Like the fans and spectators and all that. You know, they, they, um, I, I sort of like didn't sort of blame them. I, you know, because I didn't want to do anything about it or retaliate or you know, get involved with so I never you know, knew what would happen after the game. So but I dropped also, you know, racial stuff from the, some of the players and you know, normal late tackles, you know, kicking the head and eye gouge, you name it, that all you know, I had it done to me right through um my career. So I ended up, you know, taking things in my 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 hand and just doing the way I got back at them, which was in tackles and, you know, took their number, got them back and they never did it again. And, uh, yeah, that's how I got back. You know, my sort of revenge or, or you know, took my temper out of them because, as you know, with a lot of Polynesians, they, you know, hit first and ask questions later. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, you always said to your, your mother, Olsen, didn't you, before you came to Australia, that you'd That's never right. punch another player, would you? Because you don't I'm want never. Polynesians to be seen as violent people. Yeah, exactly right. And plus it brought, you know, shame and disgrace upon uh, my family mm. and all that. Now, we spoke with Patrick last week, and and he told us about how 1971 at Carlaw Park, Australia versus New Zealand, played a significant role in, in your life as a rugby league player. What's your reflection on that day? Yeah, but, yeah because you, you, know, you all have your idols and, and everything else, and that was one of the best sides going around. Uh, and and the, you know, the Kiwi teams going around there back in the 71, you had the you know, Orchards brothers, and you also had you know, Penorma, the Australians players that were involved in that test series, and it to, to actually see that, you know, Australian test players in that test side, whereas you only see them on TV and you go watch them and, you know, see them in person is like uh, an unreal feeling because, you know, you can understand why you guys, uh, why Australians are always top in the rugby league and all the to- uh, all the time. And, you know, as usual, our, one of our goals was always trying to beat us regardless of, uh, regardless of what sport. Yeah, now, Leichhardt Oval, did you realise as a player how important and how special it was on a Sunday afternoon on a sunny 
on a sunny Sydney um, Sydney day. Did you realise at the time how important it was, or was it on reflection when you retired how great that ground was? No, did you realise uh, how great that ground was when you first played on it? Because it, it to me, it was like Carlo Park. You know, the the fence, sideline fence, spectators, fans, right, right on the sideline. It made the atmosphere, and it made. You know, made a lot of players, like they say, you're still going about Leichhardt Oval now. You know, how much of a difference it makes to the Tigers. And, and, and it did exactly the same thing to me, Leichhardt Oval, what Carlo Park did to me during Test Series. Mm. Yeah, well, you had, a, 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 you know, some great performances for the Tigers. And I remember I played against you when you were at Norths in 86-87. Uh, but you had a really short stint at... Eastern suburbs that not many people remember. What what happened there? Yeah. Why, why didn't that last? I, I think because all the stuff that had happened to me over the years and all that it was just time to catch up with me. And I, you know, I loved rugby league that much. I just wasn't enjoying it anymore. And you know, when I and um, I think the case with the brown paper bag, uh, you know, like I never seen so much money in my my life. It come up then, and you know, it was like a movie to me. And to get so much money, I'm going, well, you know, this would be about all I'll be getting out of the game, uh, and I think this will, you know, this will do me. And um, like I said, you know, it eventually caught up with me what uh, I had to go through over those um, other years that I'd been there. And uh, you know, I actually stopped smoking and stopped drinking the year I finished, which was '86, uh, because I didn't have to stress out or go through that stuff again, what had already um, happened to me. Yeah, yeah. Well, what do you mean? You, you only played, I'm uh, reading here, only played eight games for East. Eight games. But, but what a yeah. significant year it was at, at, at international level. You play for the Kiwis up against the Aussies, three test series. Now, we spoke about this last week with Patrick. <laughs> after after the first game, um, you, were, you got a bit dirty with the King because he, he, did he brush you after the game? Yeah, yeah, you know, I would like, um, so like I would all agree to disagree, but yeah, he, I, um, I'd watched him in the State of Origin series and actually became a big fan of his because, you know, I just wanted to meet the bloke and I eventually worked out why New South Wales kept on calling him one of the wankers I could hear on, on the TV. <laughs> and I realised realized what the bloke could actually do on the field, you know, with, with New South, I don't know how many times New South Wales thought they had a series one or had a game one, while they'd come out and just do something, you know, no one else could do except him. And before you know it, New South Wales lose. And uh, when I played them in 1985 at Lang Park back then, the first test, I said, right, what a great opportunity I could meet, meet the, you know, the famous Wally Lewis. And uh, we went behind the after the match function and all that. We went back under the grandstand and you know just uh, meet, you know, have a few drinks and meet up with the players and all that. So I, I beamed Wally Lewis and worked straight to him. I just went straight to him because I wanted to meet him. And I said, "Oh, Wally Olsen's full of pine." I put my hand out and he whacked it away. And I go, "What the f happening here?" And um, you know, I walked off shattered. And I'm going, "Well." You know, I'm going to make you the, you know, your nightmare come true. You, you, 
I couldn't understand why he did it. And um, that was more or less the motivation I needed to uh, actually outplay the bloke over those three test years because of uh, what happened. Welcome back. This is Off The Bench NRL. Welcome back to it. It's Jason Matthews here. Uh, about to wrap up Off The Bench shortly. Of course, the Indigenous and Maori All-Stars will do battle Saturday night at Combank Stadium. Steve Ranoff, one of the greats, joined us. Uh, broke the news first to him about Olsen Filipina passing away and asked him uh, about his memories. Fortunate. In 86, I'm pretty sure it was a test match at the SCG uh, where the Kiwis towed Australia. And Olsen Filipina obviously starred in that game. Um, I played curtain raise of the Queensland under-16s against New wow. South Wales. Uh, at that match. Yeah, wow. There you go. Did you get to meet and that, him? That's the first time. I, no, I didn't. Actually, no, we did uh, prior to that. Uh, and Sats will know this, the uh, the old Rush Cutter Bay Hotel. Yes. Um, so the Queensland under-16 team, we were staying there, and the New Zealand team were staying there. So we did get to meet him, uh, Mark Graham. and Because um, uh, I remember, I'm pretty sure, um, you know, all the boys, all the boys are there, and they were so... So good to us as, as you know, Queensland under-16 team. Pearl, one of Olsen's legs would have been as big as both of your skinny pins <laughs> back then. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, amazing. He was, he was just this watching him play for Belmain. Um, it, it was amazing. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, um, but did he debut, or not debut, did he play uh, that test? Out of reserve grade? Yeah, we just had one of our one of our listeners just text in before saying, yeah, he got picked out of reserve grade at Belmain when, in 1985 especially, when the, the Kiwis beat Australia as well, that year as well, and and um, Olsen got picked out of second grade and and um, dominated the, the match. So, yeah, he's, he's an yeah. amazing man, amazing athlete, and just a, just a really humble man as well. Yeah, you know, and as I said, as a, like I said, 15, 16-year-old, Watching him play, it was just amazing. I just love. He just, you know, he was he was solid, obviously, and and used those legs, obviously. And uh, but the thing was, it it, it is a, such a shame. But you know, lost the rugby league, and what a legend. Now let's uh, let's move forward in two nights. Uh, we've got the uh, the kickoff to the NRL season through the trials format. But this is more than a trial, isn't it, Pearl? When you you got the indigenous. Um, and did both indigenous cultures for their respective countries, the Australian and the Maoris as well. Um, it's a big match, isn't it? It means more than a trial, doesn't it? It, it is. It's, it's all about the respective cultures as well. And, you know, you know, speaking to the lads and the, and the girls about it, and it, it's very, very special to them. It, it, um, you know, you know all, all these players play for their country. Uh, they played Origin. Uh, not all, but, you know, but a, a lot of them. And this is very, very special to, to both teams. Uh, that they get to highlight their culture and they're, they're playing together. And, um, you know, unfortunately, I, I never got the chance to do that. But, uh, it's so good to see this concept. Now, I've touched on this a number of times, Pearl, over the last few years when we talk about this match. And uh, I remember stories, Preston telling me stories from their very first year when players would come into those squads and they'd do, they'd do a lot of research and real educational sessions on their well, on their mobs from from yeah. around the, around Australia, Queensland, New South Wales, wherever their families came from, did you play with a lot of Indigenous teammates who had no idea about their culture? Yeah, mate, I did. You know, we, um, you know, even myself, I, I've sort of been open about that. I, 
I knew a little bit about my culture, but I, I never got in that mix. So the concept that Preston brought in was amazing. And I've heard stories of when GI was first involved and JT, and, you know, those boys were in tears just learning their own their own people's history, which they had no idea about. Um, so, you know, it, it's it, it's something that I think by the current players, you know, said to me just recently that it's, it is very special and, um, you know, going back to when I was told those stories about those boys going in the camp and they're, they're learning all this culture that they're probably disconnected from. Now, Pearl, I, please excuse me for my ignorance, but, I mean, the, the All Blacks call their, well, their war cry at the start of the game, the Haka. The uh, the war dance that the the indigenous the indigenous side at the start of the game. What is? Do you know the name of that? No, I don't, mate. Um, and I'm not sure um, historically. And I'm, I'm happy for people to correct me that there there was an actual name for it. So really, it's 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 obviously a concept. Um, I'm not too sure as well around the term war um, with Aboriginal culture yep. in this country that. Um, you know, very, very little that, and as I said, once again, I'll stand corrected if anyone wants to correct me, but um, that wasn't really in the vocabulary, obviously in their in their own language um, back in the day. Now, the, the the important person that is able to, to stand in the middle and, and rises when everyone else drops to their <laughs> knees, and of course, those iconic images of, of GI and um, in that role, and then Luttrell as well, that role... Uh, not necessarily the skipper. Is that just a? Is that represented by someone who has who is a powerful figure amongst amongst that group? Yes, yeah, definitely. And look, you, you mentioned both of those those players and uh, the physique, and it, it's like the and the, and this is how they play rugby league. There, you mentioned those two when they first did it. Well, I get goosebumps talking about it because um, I remember when GI did, and it, it, they're like the warrior. Yeah, they're like mm-hmm. the ultimate warrior. Um, you know, who are being held up uh, on this pedestal. And, yeah, as I say, it, it, it gives me goosebumps every time I see it. What are your thoughts, Pearl, on suspended players, Latrell Mitchell? You know, given the significance of the game, do you, do you think you know, players like uh, Latrell should be allowed to play this game and, 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 and not because <laughs> of suspension? Like, it, to me, it makes more sense yeah, he could- plays this instead of the charity shield. Yeah, I look, and yeah, that that's that's a hard one to to you know to fathom because it, it's. I mean, it is a credential game by the NRL, but it it has no it has no consequence. It, you know, it doesn't. Mm. It's not worth two points. It, it, it's around your, the culture, and yeah, I think that's a, I think that's pretty harsh. I, you know, you, I would have given him leeway to play in this, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. What about clubs? Uh, Sats and I were talking about this last night, but I don't think we came to a resolution, did we, Sats, where, you know, some clubs now not letting players play this clash. Should it be at another time of the year? Or how do you reckon we might be able to get around that so we do have the best of the best available for this clash? Yeah, well, I don't under—I really don't understand that. When I think the NRL trials start next weekend, don't they? Yeah, well, they, do, they yeah. start this weekend. It was some teams are playing I mean, so this weekend. Yeah, well, the Broncos are playing this weekend. They're, they're having a trial, um, and obviously they, they let their players go. But um, I just don't understand that because it's just another run. Steve Ranoff on off the bench. Uh, that's it. We'll be back uh, Monday night. Sats and I with another sports day. We'll catch you there. Enjoy the rest of your weekend.